introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Justin Simeon on. Justin Simeon is the founder, creator, director, producer, writer, all of the above for Dear White People. So uh, he started Dear White People pretty much, well, he, he knew of the idea before, but he used Twitter to kind of launch Dear White People. And it turned into a movie, which turned into a television show. And it was a very successful Netflix television show. Went on to uh, become the director, creator, writer for Bad Hair, and is currently working on the TV miniseries or the uh, spinoff for Lando, Lando, Lando Star Wars. Anyway, I'm not a Star Wars guy, but uh, he is the director for it, and it's amazing. He's, or the, excuse me, the writer for it. He, I'm sure he's directing a couple of of the episodes, but you know, I think in the TV world they, uh, they kind of, you know step back from from all that when they're the writer but he he is writing that series as we speak and um it's amazing and so justin is again not a texas theater educator but he went to to hspba he's a friend of mine and i originally reached out to him way back in august when fort ben isd the theater teachers decided to sort of do a, an artist spotlight every week on BIPOC, uh, Middle Eastern, Asian, all, all different uh, creeds, all different styles of writers, producers, directors, people that have contributed to theater and to the arts and maybe don't get the spotlight put on them as much. We did focus on quite a few people that you would you know, clearly, that, that have clearly had the spotlight on them multiple times, but we wanted to focus on a lot of uh, maybe unsung heroes, if you will, in Fort Bend. And so we did that for the most part. I think everyone did that the first semester and then it kind of went to the wayside. It was difficult uh, to keep up with because of the way I wanted to do it. It's not difficult to put together a folder of information about somebody and then discuss it, but uh, it, instead it started to get integrated into just the, the lessons that we would normally teach. So instead of you know one specific day spent on somebody. Uh, for me, partially, that had, partial, partial, I don't even know what I just said, but partially, I think that had a little bit to do with the fact that I saw this vision, this image of doing this sort of project, if you will, introducing these artists to the students by interviewing, because that's what I do, interviewing the people themselves, the ones that are living, at least. Obviously, I can't get the dead, but uh, and so I did. I interviewed a couple people, and it was really fun, but so difficult to keep up with. It is no offense to theater teachers. It's really easy to get you to come on here. It's not so easy to get somebody that is, quote unquote, a celebrita. So uh, I reached out to Justin because Justin, again, he and I went to school together. I have incriminating photos of him from when he was just a wee little lad. Not not incriminating, but just embarrassing. Uh, and so I wanted to chat with him about stuff. And then because of the pandemic, Dear White People was pushed back and uh, it went into the editing process. And then the Star Wars thing was announced and it was just, um, 
kind of not a good time, right? And uh, so anyway, so I ended up, uh, we pushed it back, and then Justin reached out to me around the spring break time, actually, and said, when are we doing this thing? And I said, whenever you want, Mr. Justin Simeon, sir. And so we met and chatted for about an hour. It was pretty awesome. You know, he's a friend. He's somebody I've known for a long time. I haven't kept up with him the way I feel like I should have, but, uh, or let's put it this way, it's harder for him to see me than it is for me to see him. So uh, it was great to chit chat with him. He's just a dude. You know, I know that, again, this doesn't go along with the normal uh, minor wisdom guest or theme, but you know, it's, it was fun. And sometimes I'm going to throw these out there, you know, Don Nigro is not a Texas theater educator, so why not, but why not have him on? Anyway, I want to shout out to TXETA, Thespians, both doing their thing for the summer, getting you on your feet and inspired for hopefully a normal year next year. I know different districts are doing different things, uh, but it's exciting. I'm also excited because I, I, I'm doing Greece next year. I've never done Greece and I, I know why high schools do Greece. I also know why high schools don't do Greece. But I'm doing Greece next year, and I had my first sort of dire, uh, designer, director, production meeting, and I presented my designs, and they worked. And, you know, lighting design is my thing. I'm pretty confident. Scenic design, you know, it's my thing, but it's not my thing, and so I'm not as confident. But I threw down the pieces of paper. I smacked them down on the table, and I said, this is what I got. It's not what happened. But, and... uh Everybody liked it, so I, you know, I was pretty happy about that. Now, again, shout out to Texas Thespians, uh, TXETA, all those people. Also, shout out to Fine Arts Forward. So, Fine Arts Forward, this is not an official plug, but they might be on here one day. But it's Danielle Bunch and Melanie Burke, uh, both of which Melanie I obviously worked with for a few years at Dulles, and Danielle worked in Fort Bend as well. But it's uh, a a group of people, a group of dedicated. Uh, educators and professionals that are helping students interested in pursuing the arts in college and beyond. And so what they do is they provide counseling needed to navigate uh, what goes beyond the typical college application process. So like auditions and portfolios. And um, it's, it's really a great organization that they've started. Uh, They do have an Instagram account. So I encourage you to go to fine arts forward. Uh, The, they have lots of information on the, on the Instagram account. I don't believe they're on Twitter. I do think that they're on the Facebook, but uh, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's something that um, we all kind of need. We all kind of need in our schools and, and just to let people know that it's there. But uh, again, not a paid plug um, at all, just friends that have kind of started this thing up and in hopes to help students kind of get uh, their, their, kind of get their beak wet when it comes to advancing on into college and beyond in, in the arts. So shout out to Bobby Ramirez. Thanks for listening, buddy. I hope you listened to the actual interview. Uh, Rice Krispie Treat. Enjoy this interview with the amazing, amazing, awesome, lovely, sweet Justin Simeon. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Blake Miner. Leave a five-star review. Do all that. Enjoy the interview. Have a great Memorial Day week. I know some dirt about you about going to HSPVA, but I won't reveal that on here. But do you feel that I want to give some cred, a little bit of cred to HSPVA, but maybe I'm wrong. Do you feel that you would have been where you are now if not for HSPVA? Blake, I would be dead. I mean, seriously, I, I would. 
when people talk about art touching, I, I wouldn't, a person like me wouldn't have survived like intact <laughs> to adulthood yeah, yeah. if I did not have uh, HSPVA. It was the only, only place that I felt remotely like myself um, as, a, as an adolescent. You yeah. know, it's sort of like, I, I didn't, I don't, when I, no, I guess I knew I was gay when I was uh, a freshman, but I, I certainly, before I knew I was gay, I knew something was up with me. I knew I was different than the other kids. And um, not that that's the only reason, but like, you know, black kid uh, with a single mom, there's a lot of pressure to be macho and grow up and be a doctor and sort of be a certain kind of black man or else the world will kill me is sort of the feeling that black mothers have. And um, while that protected me and kept me alive, like I needed to get out of that and figure yeah. out who I was and be weird and watch Sweet Charity and, you know, try to make out with straight guys and, you know, do the things yeah. uh, that helped me figure out who I was. And, um, and I just, I never would have encountered art right. uh, in that way. There's just no way. Right. There's no way. And I, I was just doing meetings the other week because um, I'm finishing Dear White People and I'm like interviewing, trying to get, you know, an, uh, the next check basically. And I realized like everything I do as a showrunner is something I learned at 13 at this high school. Right. Like everything. I didn't have to learn this stuff as an adult. Like somehow I knew how to like analyze a story and cast and um, and it's just, yeah, there's just no way I could have done it without PVA. Do, do you think like where do you think you would i know you said you you would be dead and maybe you're being serious but do i mean do you <laughs> do you think there would have been any hope if you had gone to your what was your zone school can you say it oh jesus christ i don't even remember you don't remember okay but no okay i don't know i just don't you know what who's to say yeah but okay. i cannot imagine it blake like what did you just, want to do did you know what you wanted to do i knew i wanted to be a filmmaker okay okay see i didn't when know I was that a kid. i did I, when you so when you know the Twitter thing to me was no surprise. Like when you started, kind of embracing. You know, you were kind of uh, well. Twitter was kind of young-ish when you mm. sort of blew up. I mean, you're kind of one of the OGs of of going viral on Twitter, as far as I remember. I just remember like out of nowhere, Justin Simeon has this Twitter account that just kind of blew up. Obviously, it led <laughs> to some other things, but like it, it, that that to me was no surprise. Uh, mm. When you started becoming or, or, or getting into the film world and television and film, that that to me was a surprise because I kind of always fancied you this actor, this creative writer. Like I oh, thought wow. you, were, you know, I thought you were going to be a writer. But um, it's and, so funny. Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to make movies since I was a kid, and yeah. I didn't know what it was called. Um, <laughs> I really didn't, because there was like, no, I mean, there was no artistry in my like. We didn't. Right. I I didn't see a play. I didn't see a play until I got into PVA. So then why did you go um, to PVA? What, like, why did because you? Because I knew, because one, I, I, I've known since I was a kid that I wanted to be a filmmaker, right. although I didn't quite know what that meant or what it was. Um, and I knew that like, I wanted to be in the arts and I wanted to like daydream and I, I wanted to be that kid. And I was uh, at going to this like, um, I think it was like math and science middle school called Clifton yeah. and just was dying yeah. inside being there, you know, being around regular kids and sort of like uh, that thing where I was too black for the white kids, but I talked too white for the black kids. I just didn't, I didn't belong in normal society. I really didn't. At least that's how I felt at the time. Um, and then I saw a poster for HSPVA at this, at this middle school. 
Wow. And I don't know what it was, man. It was just like, that's, I'm, I belong there. That's where I have to go. And I didn't see film on the list. I saw theater. Yeah. I said, close enough. And I got monologue <laughs> books and I figured it out. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I, I think back on it now and I'm like, how did I get in? Because I didn't really, truly did not know what I was doing. Right. But I just knew like, that is the only place that I can go to high school. Yeah. And my mom was really... Um, you know, really insistent about uh, health professions, you know, in her oh. mind, like, um, that was like a smarter route for me to take. And she's probably right, frankly. <laughs> uh, but we made like a little deal. And she was like, and I kind of, she's never admitted this, but I think it's because she didn't think I would get in. She said, if you get in, you can go, but otherwise, you're going to health professions. And so that was all the motivation I needed, man. I was it uh, turns out I had like a like a tap dancing car salesman in me. And I just like <laughs> I remember doing I remember the improv sessions, yeah. you know, where the teachers try to uh, this is during the auditions. It's like in between the monologues or before or something. And I just knew that they were watching us, yeah. even though they didn't say they were. Yep. I knew that Susie, I didn't know her name at the time, but I knew yeah. Susie and, and Bob and Steven were watching us. Yep. And I put on a goddamn show. <laughs> I was an actor. <laughs> yeah, I the, was committed. You, the, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I mean, you're obviously speaking my language. And, you know, if, <laughs> if there are PVA people listening right now, and and what sucks is the PVA people that are currently there, you know, over since since Bob left, they're probably they probably didn't For experience sure. the same thing. But yeah, man, I, we have similar past because long story short, because I've said it on here before. Uh, when Stephen Wolf stood up in my acting audition and said, is anybody here to audition for tech theater? I was like, well, shit, I'll do it. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. What, and, I, and I didn't know what that was. And, uh, you wow, know, obviously I got great. in. So I just, same thing. I knew I had to be there because if not, I would have been at my zone school, which I will not mention. And this, you know, comedic Jewish white guy might not, it was the opposite for me. I don't know if I would, I would have survived. Don't get, I don't want to be that dramatic, but it would have been different. That's for sure. Yeah. So much, well, you, much different. You, I think we both would have survived. It's just that like, I, I wouldn't have known how to be myself. Right. Like I wouldn't have had any chance to explore who that guy was until after high school. Right. Um, and being able to like go to college and come to LA as hard as that shit was. Yeah. I at least had these four years of like really getting to figure out who I am and yeah. what I liked and why I liked it. I mean, it's crazy. Like, what, nobody knows how to do the things that we were taught how to do at 13. Right. Like, right. people have to learn that stuff. Yep. You know, when I when I talk with actors and I'm like, yeah, so, you know, I think your objective in the scene is to just push her out. Like, push her out of the room with your words. You know, people look at me like I'm, you know, from another planet because directors don't talk to them like that, right. which to me is crazy. Right. <laughs> right. But, and they're, yeah, and they're... I'm, I'm very grateful. And they're physically just like he told me to push her. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah. What to... <laughs> That's what he yes, said. the bad ones take me literally. I guess. But, uh... So you you just transitioned into one of my questions about uh, dear white people being. You've said it's autobiographical to an extent. Um, yeah. And did you when you were writing it? Uh, did you have to? Did you struggle becoming that kind of vulnerable uh, with telling your story or? Were you ready to, were you just kind of like, I got to do it. And you just, the hand just started moving, typing, writing, whatever you did. It was a little bit of both. I mean, like, so, you know, Dear White People, it's a multi-protagonist movie. It's a little art house, you know, it's unconventional. Yeah. Um, 
but I, and I loved multi-protagonist movies. Like I love Do the Right Thing. I love Robert Altman a lot. Like, you know, um, MASH in yeah. particular. Dumb and uh, yeah. I loved Election. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think back to like my mind when I was writing Dear White People. But I was always attracted to these movies where like there was a bunch of people and yeah. no one was right. And I felt <laughs> like to say the things I wanted to say about race, I just didn't feel comfortable with any one person being right. And so I always thought of it as like Sam, Lionel, Coco, and Troy. And nobody taught me how to do that. So like there were times when I would just sort of like write onto a page, but I didn't know how to make it into a script. So really from like, uh, I first got the idea senior year in high school. So that's 20, sorry, senior year in college. So that's 2005. Yeah. Um, and between 2005 and 2013, I was workshopping the script in right. some form. So it was like, it was either a writer's group on the weekends or in some kind of way, I was like working it and slowly over time getting better at trying to, like I could see it in my head, but I couldn't figure out how to do it for right. a really long time. Who helped you? Like who, who kind of helped you get me that- girl, you know, me, I helped me. Um, here's the, here are the things I did. So I, I, I don't, it, this is not my Bible and I don't talk about it as much, but it was a revelation to me at 22, Save the Cat. Um, because it was the only book about screenwriting that mentioned multi-protagonist movies. Right. And and there's a, this, this the second book in the Save the Cat series is my favorite because it breaks movies down into these like writing genres. Like they're not the genres that they're marketed as, but um they're like the the way they're they're all written in a similar way, and I found this list of multi protagonist movies. That was like that was the start for right. me, like uh, because and and it's kind of I do this every time I'm writing something, so I just watched everything on that list, like yeah. everything in the genre of my movie, and um, you know, even if I even if I you know things like Animal House, which Dear White People is an Animal House, but like I needed to see Animal House because everyone else has seen animal house and I need to know the rules of something like animal house. So I did a lot of like my own study. And, um, and this is actually funny enough. This is when I got really, really into star Wars because, uh, growing up, I was really territorial about my brands. I was a star Trek guy. I liked Michael, not Prince. I drank Coca-Cola and I played Nintendo and I read Marvel, you know, I don't know why, but I was just very specific about that stuff. And then, um, so I discovered like Prince and star Wars later. And, uh, I, there was this documentary, uh, I think it was on A&E at first, but it was it was about like how George Lucas made Star Wars and about how like nobody believed in him and everyone thought it was going to be a terrible movie. And even Fox, like right up until the day of release, they only put that movie in two theaters right. um, because they didn't know it was going to be literally the change of all cinema right. <laughs> when yep. that thing came out. And I watched that documentary over and over again because I was so depressed and I was so like, fighting my demons of like whether or not I could actually make this dear white people thing happen. It was so weird. It made sense in my head, but people didn't get it. They just didn't. And even if they got it, um, they didn't believe it could be made because black people don't, so, don't want to see. What were they, but what were they wrong things. about? What were they wrong about back then that, 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 what, what did they get wrong? Like the, the executives that were the pro- professionals and, and know-it-alls that, like, yeah, you know. Well, well, in 2011, 2012, when I first started to like take the script out, and the and the Twitter thing, the Twitter thing came about because the script used to be called Two Percent. Uh, it was about the two percent black black population at this school, and um, 
Basically, uh, oh, I just, that actually, that's very helpful that I just said that because I realized we got an ADR line wrong today. Anyway, 2% uh, <laughs> black population at the school. And, uh, but that was a kind of, I knew that wasn't a good title really, but there was this character, Samantha White, and she had this radio show called Dear White People. And I didn't know how white people would react to a person like her. So I just like started the Dear White People Twitter account to see. <laughs> and right. and it, it, I, I was able to like kind of test her out a little bit. And both the like positive and negative reactions to, you know, dear white people, thanks for saving jazz or whatever the quip was, um, really informed that first, you know, draft. Uh, I don't remember what question I was answering, Blake. No, yeah, well, I was, I, <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you, it's fine, it's fine. I, I didn't know about the 2% thing. That, that's, uh, it makes me think of milk for some reason, but I guess that's my, yeah, ignorance. yeah. but that's uh, why I, I, that's not a good title, but that's where the dear white people of it all. <laughs> do you think people, Oh, oh where, yeah. what did they get wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. This, there was, you go. So, this is what they got wrong. So people would read the script like executives and things and yeah. they loved it. And they're like, Oh my God, I get it. And you know, what's a comp? Oh my God, do the right thing. I love do the right thing. I love school days. I love all that stuff. The problem is though, in 2011, black movies were Tyler Perry and Ice Cube. Period. Yeah. Period. End of story. Nobody would even entertain the thought of doing something different because they were scared of it. And yeah. you, I would always hear the line like, I love it, but we don't know how to market it. You know, there's no, there's nobody, you know, and, and, and I, it's like they didn't believe that there were articulate, yeah. funny, witty black people that liked cinema. There, there wasn't enough of us in the world to appreciate something like this. Um, <laughs> And and they were dead wrong about that because yeah. on the other side of Dear White People is it, the format, you know, and I'm not going to take full credit for this. I think some things just kind of happen at the same time, but now it's everywhere. Like every network now has an articulate ensemble of people of color navigating whiteness uh, that looks and feels, you know, cinematic. Like literally that's on every, like everyone's got right. their version of that now. Um, but in 2013, man, it was like, I remember people who liked me a lot as a person and they would just start chuckling. Like, you'll never like make I that. Yeah. <laughs> as, I, as I told them about the idea back then. See, yeah, I mean, again, uh, I think it's a defense of the the teenager Justin Simeon, but when I <laughs> personally, when I first saw that, you know, I was, I was, I don't know if I had an alias or not. I have an alias now on Facebook that I use for other reasons, but don't worry about that. Oh, it's, it's not illegal. No, I'm no, worried no. about that. I don't know. It's an, it's for education. So I can like combat Only the fans. parents. Only fans. Thank you. Uh, I'll leave the, 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 uh, at in my bio, uh, for this, oh, pod. but, yeah. I will tip you but anyway, well, <laughs> anyway, but no, I, I, I was, I think I was on Twitter defending you because of these people that obviously you're like, what do you mean? Dear white people? What about, oh. you know, <laughs> oh, you know, all the, <laughs> these trolls, if you will. And they were young, yeah. trolls, but, but I, I, I just remember that distinctly. There were a group of, there was a group of us, there were a group of us that's horrible English, but there was a group of us that, uh, that did that, that we kind of like chimed in and we're like, you leave my friend alone. <laughs> like, well, you know, what's funny, man, that, that thing that happened where like white people would either not get the joke or like, which well, this is what ended up happening when it was a Netflix series, white people who were purposely not getting the joke yes. and, you know, trying to make it out like we were being reverse yes. racist, which whatever. Well, um, people like you, man, who were in the comment section defending the thing, that was actually the thing that helped me get the movie made because oh. it was like the the point of the movie was in the comment section of anything we would post right. like there would all like the it was like clockwork it was like 
do we really need this? Isn't racism over? <laughs> then there'd be like, go back to Africa guy would come in. Yeah. And then it'd be like the sensible white people who was like, what do you, what do you guys mean? And it's it sort of, it was like, it was kind of perfect. It was a perfect storm. Uh, and I, I didn't have to have the conversation when I, on the other side of making the trailer and stuff, because people, I'd literally just be like, look yeah. at the comments. That's well, that's why we need to make well, it. That's one of a, my, that's a thing you want to tap into right now. One of my closest friends who you would adore, uh, she is black. Um, I don't, <gasps> I know, right? And you guys are close? And we're friends. We're 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 wow. not just friends, but we're close friends. We're not acquaintances. And I don't use her to say how I'm not racist because I have a black friend. Like that's not that. Call that, her. That, I'm, Put her on the show right she now. She was actually just at my house. Not a joke. Uh, but <laughs> she's been on the show. But anyway, she oh, nice. she she uh, has said multiple times to me. Blake, you have no idea how much black Twitter doesn't care about what white people are defending black people for. <laughs> Like where, you know, where a white person says, how dare you say that you should be offended, Justin Simeon, as a black man. And and black, and she says black Twitter all the time is laughing at that. Like, uh, no, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> so there, there's a lot. Well, you know, I, I, um, I have a, a white partner Uh oh. Um, with the with a hard H. H. Yeah. With yeah. white yeah. partner. And yeah, no, there are times when he'll be like, can you believe this? <laughs> And, and you know, I'll, he'll, he hates it when I do this, but I'll be like, "Yeah, I've been black all my life. Of course I believe it." I mean, because it's like, you know, it's, yeah. I have a scab there. Yeah. Um, funny thing is, man, I'm not on Twitter anymore. I can't stand to yeah. be on there. I hate it. It's, um, it's, yeah, I, it's it, bad. It, it it got you know, uh, Chrissy Teigen is a lot more popular than I am on Twitter. Um, but I, I read her little thing about why she left Twitter, and yeah, it's all that. Like it changed who I was. It changed the way I thought. It changed the way I thought about myself. Yeah. And um, I didn't feel black. I mean, it's just it. Mm -mm, I can't uh, do it no more. I, I have to time, I have to disagree with you though. I think you're just as important as Chrissy Teigen. So, well, uh, I don't have any more. I don't have as many followers. Those are bots. Those <laughs> I mean, are all bots. They're all bots. Yeah. She was in the mill. She paid but, for them. Uh, she paid for those followers. This question is actually from my wife. Okay, and it's still okay. about dear white people. And then I want to stop talking about it because I don't want to label you as one person or or one thing. <laughs> uh, so, but when you wrote the movie i'm assuming you had no idea you were writing you were going to go to a series uh so when you wrote the movie were you did you feel complete and comfortable with the story you told did you feel like this no okay i thought the movie was garbage i mean not garbage <laughs> I, I thought it was good i thought it was fine right. but i i was hoping that after we sold it i'd like get a little more money to like finish it yeah. and like shoot the scenes that we couldn't afford to but that didn't happen right um but the funny thing is, man, like I was trying to make it a movie for a while and that wasn't working. And just on a lark, I joined this like TV writers group uh, and I wrote it as a pilot. And it's nothing like the show that's on now, um, but it was in the back of my mind, you know, like this could keep going. Um, this, this is a world that we're creating. It's not just a story about these four people. Uh, and Winchester seems as good a place as any to like, you know, do that microcosm, like school is microcosm kind of story. Yeah. Um, and and what happened is we went to Sundance with the movie. And the one thing I really regret it is that like, I didn't anticipate the Black Lives Matter movement when I was writing it. Um, I, I sort of like uh, the racism in Dear White People, the movie, 
it's in this world where like if you're black and you mention racism it's like this forbidden topic that's how it felt like in the obama era like if you were black and you noticed racism it really pissed people off uh because how dare you yeah uh, we have a black president now uh <laughs> there's this air about that and but black activism had not yet reached the zeitgeist that happened after i made the movie yeah. but like in the time between i made it and it came out um and so we showed the movie at sundance I felt like I wanted more like black protest stuff in it. Like I wanted to like depict that movement a little bit more. And this woman who had just started at Netflix named Tara Duncan um, was at Sundance and said, have you ever thought about this as a series? And I, and uh, I, you know, I, I lied and said, of course I have. Uh, but basically on that, you know, on, on my little like Q and A tour after the movie hit Sundance, was going to colleges and stuff and showing it. That's how I was paying my rent when the movie, uh, we sold the movie to Sundance. I didn't make any money off of that movie um, or my second, but whatever. Uh, I'm on this tour, like going to all these college towns, meeting people of color at predominantly white schools. And I just started collecting stories. And by the time the movie got sold, and uh, we were having conversations about like, you know, would you, what do you think? What do you think about a series? By that time, I actually had, I had the full show. Right. You know, I knew the characters. I knew where we were going to go. It was everything I didn't get to do in the movie, basically, um, and, and that's really how that came about. Yeah. Now the I I uh, I love the series, so uh, all of it. Thanks, and, man. You know, we'll see where it goes. I, I know neither of us know, so um, <laughs> I'm just assuming you you know you don't know. But all right, moving on from that. Uh, oh, for the series? I know how the series is. I lost it. It's a joke. No, like you're not. You're. I don't want to hear any secrets. Like Remember, I'm furious. We already talked right about. We already, we already, Wait, can I tell you? Can I tell you a secret though? Because I did. It actually occurred to me. This the fourth season of Dear White People is like my ode to HSPBA. Oh. Um, and a lot of fun. I didn't realize it while I was doing it, but I. I that's totally what I did. Like, so I basically made them go to HSPVA how, for one how, how many How many HSPVA actors are in the show? I know I said I'd stop like asking about 45. the 45. <laughs> no, uh, okay, so we have Courtney. The, the class uh, of 2002 Eric. is in it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Jamila Glass. Yeah. Um, she choreographed Bad Hair. Okay. Uh, and, and she choreographed certain things that may or may not be happening in right. this season. Right. Eric's death. Got it. Yeah. Eric's very bloody. Yeah, just overly sexualized. Yes, death. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, like wonderful for, choreography. Like, and and girl, I've known Courtney Sauls since nineteen ninety. Uh, when did I meet Courtney? Nineteen ninety three is when I yeah. met Courtney, and I played her love interest in our eighth grade musical. Uh, yes, so you did. When whenever I see Courtney Sauls uh i or talk to her or whatever she is miss harcourt to me that's that's it brings the memories back uh, and i just tear up and you know I'm like what if you know what i mean so well you know what she tells me every single time i see her is she reminds me uh of when <laughs> remember how like the black kids were always directing the hispanic heritage play <laughs> back in the day <laughs> So it was like me and Courtney, or Courtney was directing and I was her assistant. Yeah, yeah. And so she she's introduced me that way since then. Like, this is Justin. He was my assistant director in high you, school. You know. <laughs> she still does, and I, I kind of love it. You know, it's that's it's 
That's crazy. I still have my my freshman year Hispanic Heritage shirt, uh, and I oh, wear man. it. It still fits. I can't imagine how big it was back then because I thought it was. That's when like Janko and like the big jeans were, you know. So, oh, I, so everything was yeah. big, you know. Uh, but it still fits today, which is, I guess, I can say that my freshman year shirt fits. But <laughs> you know, my freshman year Thomas Melanson was the uh, Black History Month director, mm-hmm. and that was like a show. I mean, that that was a yeah, huge. Yeah, I was in two of those. I was Were in you? Ain't Nothing Wrong with a Gizzard Sandwich. I played Cornbread. I was uh, Maurice's understudy. No, but no, you, wait, you played Cornbread to Maurice? Yes, I was. I was Sunday Cornbread. Is that Sunday matinee Cornbread? Is that where his Cornbread came came from? No, he, well, maybe it, it may be. It may be. That's actually. A, I need to. I I still talk to Maurice, so I'm gonna text him after this. But yeah. Yeah, Maurice was cornbread, and <laughs> I was his his understudy, and he <laughs> literally taught me the ways of blacking because it was a, <laughs> it was different than what Susie was teaching us. Oh, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm, it was I'm, very different. I can't believe that. Not for a second. I remember, like, I remember one of those rehearsals. I'm like, you know, darling, why why are you going outside? I'm like giving this very like dramatic delivery and Thomas Melanson is looking at me like I'm crazy and then I see Maurice do it <laughs> I'm like oh got it okay got it I like I gave myself a part because nobody else would in in the third season I play like a um like a really uh, like a filmmaker who uh is always putting himself in his own things and stuff uh and uh I'm basically just doing cornbread yeah in that <laughs> That's but Maurice taught me that. That's awesome. So speaking of your acting in, in high school, do you remember any of your lines from the misanthrope? No, I don't. <laughs> I just I remember one. that's back when I was trying to get Lindsay Pate back. And so I came to oh see that. Oh my show. god, that saga. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That so, saga was misanthrope? Uh misanthrope and uh um uh what's the um, Helen Keller story? Uh the miracle worker. Miracle worker. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I had such a, such a crush on, who was it? Oh my God, I had such a crush on Michael Barrett in oh. that freshman year in <laughs> yeah. Mission Throw. Who did it? Because he was like, yeah. he was like a yeah. teenager who just looked like a full grown man and that yeah. like, he was always wearing petticoats in that play. Yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Things started to happen in my head. I understood who I was, like I said, at PVA. Yeah, I time. think he's still a full grown man, but yeah, yeah. He oh, was right. a, he's right. a, he was a big dude. Cause, cause, petticoats uh, still or no? uh, well, I mean, it's been a while, but I would assume yes. Why not? Once okay, you know what's a, what they say. Know. Once you go petticoat, well, you never. Yeah, you never go, go back to a pants. Or, yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that uh, is what they always say. That is. I don't know who they is, but yeah, or they are. Uh, so what is what is uh, what is one life event that you've been able to take part in now that you never thought you would? Okay, uh, right before this podcast, <laughs> I got off of uh, like my first call. Can I, okay, let me see how much I could say. I got off my first like concept art meeting. Okay, uh, for Lando, okay. which is was like we know that much. Yeah, which is like I I never ever thought that would happen. I I didn't even dream that for myself. Yeah, because I just it never occurred to me that that would be a possibility. Um, and, you know, I grew up with that concept art, like, not grew up, actually, but I spent yeah. my 20s obsessing over that concept art and the fact that, like, you know, when when he couldn't make the movie, George Lucas at least made the art. Right. And I actually, I've been doing that my whole career, is, like, trying to find an illustrator to just draw scenes from the movie just so that I had stuff around me that made me feel like it was real. Right. Um, 
And so that was a really, really full circle, totally so, surreal moment. So don't, I'm, I'm not asking you to reveal anything, but the one thing I do want you to reveal, are you at all looking forward to the just barrage of uh, different Comic-Con, Star, Star Wars, con, you know, like all these festivals and things like because once you're once you're in there once you're once in there in, you there's no there's nothing there, like you can't well i i preemptively have it's the accounts to love but i haven't been on twitter uh yeah. in maybe over a year so I'm, I'm prepared in that way um but i start my first job in hollywood was working uh in pr uh for rogue pictures okay and rogue pictures was the genre label for focus so i know comic-con <laughs> Realt well. Yeah, but okay. you, were, you were nothing then. Now <laughs> I was exactly. That's the best way to get to know Comic Con, by the way. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> that's the best. That's the real Comic Con. Um, so you actually just gave me PTSD when you just said that because I hadn't thought about it. But you're right. right it's going to be a lot. Yeah, I'll be ready for it because I, I I cut my teeth in that environment. But oh my god, you, you oh, just got to find. You got to find a like a, a full like not a furry necessarily, but maybe I don't know what you're into. <laughs> but maybe get something uh, that you kind of go in disguise or something. But oh uh, yeah, I could go as Chewbacca. You could go as Chewbacca, Chewbacca. That's that's yeah. gonna give me the respect that I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If do you do a Chewbacca? Can you even, or do you have to get one of those voice modulators or something? But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. do the voice. No, they no. wouldn't approve it. I, no. I think you have to be approved. <laughs> like what you're gonna wear <laughs> you, and you stuff. You have to get the blue check. Uh, so and then, have you been able to meet any of your idols or influencers at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you allowed to say? Um. Yeah, I could say you don't have to say all of them. I, I'm assuming I it know it hasn't gone very well. <laughs> oh, so 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 get this. I just interviewed Don Nigro, and uh, I don't know if you know he's a playwright. He's probably the most successful living American playwright. Uh, oh wow! Which yeah, you know, big deal. You know, I don't know which which interview is bigger, big this deal. one or, or Don Nigro, but uh, probably Don Nigro. No, I don't know. I would say. Uh, we. I, I asked him if he's met any of his living um, uh, or dead, because he's older, much older. He's double our age. But uh, any of his influence uh, influencers or, or idols, and he he just answered no, and that was that was the that was pretty much the end of the question. <laughs> I so. wish, yeah, I wish I could. I don't know. Have I mean, met, okay, so I've met like so a cool one was Oprah. Like I met okay, Oprah okay. over a Zoom. Okay, you know that's cool. Uh, yeah. And like I shaked her hand once at like a. But the, I have to say, like, the heroes that I've met and yeah. spent some time with. Don't, um, you don't need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was not what I hoped it would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. They say, you know, uh, again, I don't mean to go back to wrestling, but in the wrestling world, they say the people that you think are going to be assholes are actually really nice. And then the people that, like, portray nice on TV are, like, the biggest dicks. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. And it really messes you up when they're black, like, because... <laughs> It really does because when you come to the industry and you're like something other than like white straight, right? Yeah. You tell yourself, which is not wrong, but you tell yourself it's like, oh, this is so shitty because of racism. Right. Like as soon as there's somebody that looks like me on the other side of that desk, like then it's gonna be fine. Right. And then you meet the person that looks like you on the other side of the desk and you realize like, no, Hollywood people like <laughs> like there's a there's a demonic nature to some Hollywood people that does not know any color right. lines. Right. Um, and you know, yeah, the, the Adam don't meet your, not Adam, the, the idiom don't meet your heroes. Um, 
is eighty five percent of the time I'd say is, yeah. is probably true. Have you now have you had quote unquote cousins identify themselves once you were announced uh, with the Landau thing? No, no. <laughs> okay. My family's been pretty cool. Okay. Um, I get a lot of movie pitches and stuff, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I don't know if you I just and, and, some random. And also, guy. I don't really know how to check my Instagram DM, so there might be some up in there. But okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it. It would be funny if you know some random, uh, some <laughs> random dude is just like Justin. You remember me, right? You know. Uh, so oh, I gotta tell you that I found a cousin. His name is Jeremy Simeon. Uh-huh. Okay, which was very weird because he looks like me and he is not me at all. But he's in New Orleans, um, and he's like an art expert or yeah. something. And I hit him up for some concept art once. But that's as that's as much as the family collapse. So you, but it was the gone. other way. You you hit What's him. That? You hit him up. It was the other. I way. hit him yeah. up. I, I hit yeah. him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Who, who keeps you grounded besides your mom? Don't say your mom. I want you. I want to challenge Rick, my, you. A little. My partner. Okay. Rick, okay. Yeah. Who I I, I, I can call my fiance yeah. as well because oh. we'll, we're going to tie that knot at some point. Um, <laughs> he keeps me grounded. He, we're like you know I'm very like talky, flighty in my head, mile a minute. Yeah. He's very like sit your ass down let's eat dinner and watch tv you know he's very grounded person in general um and i find like without that i will just float off into space right Right. (laughs) so he really helps uh my therapist really helps uh i'm in a lot of therapy blake and uh i shouldn't laugh at that i don't know why i'm laughing at that but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know either the way you presented Um, it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Hey, hey! I was, my cats, I, my cats. Yeah, cats keep me grounded. Oh, and how, Aaliyah, how, Aaliyah yeah. keeps my ass grounded. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's uh, been very quiet, but thank you, Aaliyah. Uh, what? How many? She's cats? keeping me grounded. How many cats do you have? I have two, Blake. Don't say it like there's like a lot of cats over here. Well, well, I'm not going to label you the cat lady, but I'm just not a cat person. You can. No, I'm just. <gasps> it's just. It's not me. I a couple of weeks ago, this is during spring break. I, I go outside because our ring doorbell goes off and it's like somebody's on your front porch and I go outside and it's people looking for their cat that got out of their house. And I was like, <laughs> girl, good luck wrangling that cat. Bye. And you know, and so here's the no. thing. You do love cats, Blake. You just don't know it yet. And if, when you're ready, I will tell you what you've been doing wrong, okay. but they are okay. wonderful, wonderful creatures. Right. Well, and they uh, make life fun. All right. Well, my wife is a cat person, and uh, so I'll t- I'll tell her that you said that. You tell you tell yeah. her she has the right to be a cat person. Damn it! No. Uh, In this dog normative world. All right. I'm gonna move on. So I, I've got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a couple more. Questions. That was the line. That uh, was the line. That was it. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple more questions, and then and then. By the way, are you drinking a Coke? I am. Okay. You said earlier yeah. that you have your your go-tos. So, uh, what do you, what do you miss about, what do you miss about home? Oh man. I miss the, I miss the people. Yeah. Like I love Houston people. I, I, I don't even try to work with Houston people. I just end up doing it. There's something about, there's something in the water. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm an ambitious person and I work hard, but I'm laid back at the same time. And that energy is Houston to me. I don't know what it is. And I miss the food, man. Like, (laughs) You cannot, I, I hate coming back here after I spend time in Houston because like it takes me weeks to get used to right. what passes as food in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> so the food and, and the people. Do you ever bring anything home with you because you know you're like, and, and it's like, do you bring food home? Do you ever, or back to LA or? 
Yes, my mother, um, <laughs> my mother loves to send me home with like a box of like 49 of those Shipley's like, you know, <laughs> hot dogs with the cheese inside. Yeah, and they're never good by the time I get back to LA, but I have 45 now. Um, so here you go, everybody. So yeah. I do go back with that uh, quite often, yeah. even though I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's, that was that when I was touring, it was news to me that kolaches were not a, a thing around kolaches. Like, yeah, but, yeah but, but it, but it, that's crazy that they're not a thing around because it's not even a an American thing. It's Czech. No, like it's could, not. Yeah, they could. Anyway. But isn't it? It's a hot dog baked inside of cheese okay, bread. Okay, it's become an American thing. But I'm saying the original kolache. Yes, please. Che- like okay. I'm kidding, sweetie. God, I just okay. I'm really defend defensive about my kolaches. By the way, bacon and cheese kolaches are better than. But oh yeah. snap! Okay, I didn't even know about that. Next time you're in town. That yeah. makes a lot more sense, actually, to yeah. have some bacon up in there. Yeah, right. And I'm wow. Jewish, so I'm a good judge of pork. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, that's really messed up. You're going to hell, Blake. I think. Well, we don't believe that in hell. Works. We don't believe in hell, so it's... Oh, that's really, right. It that's works right. out really, really well. I don't know what... And actually, that's really convenient. Yeah, actually. I know. Like, there's just a... There's, like, the smoking section and non-smoking section of heaven, I guess. And so, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Or I now, love it. Now it's the masked and unmasked, but anyway. Uh, Ooh, okay. So, I'm wow. gonna I'm gonna get a little more serious and then and then we'll wrap up. But because uh, right. I want to I want to go back to the education side of things. So, which and this may take a second for you to remember, or maybe it just pops into your head. But which education or which part of your education within like the classroom or a lesson mm. or something uh, left you wanting more? And what mm. part of education could you have had less of? Math. <laughs> That's the less of, I'm so that, assuming. That was, yeah, that was okay. really easy. Um, <laughs> particularly, can I just say, particularly, this is where I, y'all fucked me up with math, um, educators of America. Right. Is that nobody would explain why we were doing something. It was just like, Do it. let's figure out what X is. Why are we launching a rocket? Like, just give me a, I needed a story. Like, right. I just needed, <laughs> like, but so, motivation. So when they when they say one train is traveling at fifty miles an hour from this side and one train, you know those probably. But, but like they don't say that after first grade. Like no, that's no, no, no. They, we did that like the first yeah. week, and then we got to fractions, and I didn't know what was yeah. happening. Yeah, and then it was <laughs> then you were um, what what so math? Yeah, and then and then I'm assuming some sort of art theatrical thing left you wanting more. But yeah. do you remember like something specific? Like do, I'm gonna ask this. I could do what what I don't know. Intro to theater class. Yeah. Whatever we were doing besides learning theater, which we were also doing in that class, but like how we used to watch movies in that okay, class. Okay, that's what I was going to go with. Yeah. I could literally do that all year long, yeah. every year for the rest of my life. Yeah. That was that like that 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 started me going like as an artist. You right. Know? Do you remember? Do you remember which movie? Uh, pre- Raisin pre- in the Sun. Right. Okay. And I remember the first. I remember the epiphany of Miss Phillips pausing Raisin in the Sun on the first image. You seeing Sydney Potier's dark skin, black face, surrounded by a white pillow. Yeah. And her saying, "Now, why do you think the director decided to start the movie this way?" And it was the first time it occurred to me that the director had made a choice right. to start the movie that way to say something other than what the lines were saying. Right. And that's my whole. That's the whole thing. Like, that's always what right. I go back to. Like, when I talked about, like, finding that book of movies and watching the movies is what helped me write Dear White People, that instinct came from that class, you right. know? Huh. That's, yeah. I 
those those films because we watched what Hamlet, uh, A Raisin in the Sun, uh, Into the Woods. I don't know if Into you the woods. Yeah, okay with uh, Sunday in the Park with George. S- yeah, so we didn't watch Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, yeah, because we didn't watch um, Hamlet. Okay, okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Tur- turns out you Just probably swapped ma- them out. Yeah, turns out yeah, very similar stories. Uh, turns <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I think you guys made the better decision because turns out uh, 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 Hamlet, Mel Brooks, uh, you know, there were some issues and controversies, oh, I guess, with him. Oh, so a couple issues. Just yeah. a few, just a few. So, all right, I want to get you out on this, um, uh, and I appreciate you, Justin, uh, but I, I have I have one question, and it goes back to the, the student world, okay? Modern-day okay. students, modern-day uh, uh, attention spans, if you will. So, you mm-hmm. know, students today they have a very, very short attention span, right? Like if it's less than 60 seconds, you're probably good. If it's more, they're like, I don't have time for this, which they do. Mm-hmm. They just don't realize it. Uh, you have done a really, really good job. And you've already talked about the multi-protagonist type of thing, but you've done a really good job of creating these characters and uh, creating really good storytelling, right? What are some other ways that you have found that have kept audiences attention mm. Uh, and kept them glued or, or edge of their seat, whatever hyperbole you want to use. But uh, what are some other techniques and ways in your writing and in your storytelling that you have learned to be able to keep that attention span? The, char- the lead characters that are most captivating are not good, nice people per se, but they're people who have the guts to be who we would be if we had the guts. Um, that's why like like Ferris Bueller is like a kind of quintessential example of that. Like he's a smart ass. He's not the top student. He's not even all that nice all of the time, but we're in because we wish we were like him. We wish that we could respond to the world in the way that he responds, you know? Um, and so recognizing that like, I'm telling a story, yeah. And it's about me, sure. And it's my personal expression and all that stuff, but I'm creating a dream for people and the way dreams work is that they're all, all of the characters in your dream are really you. You just don't realize it while you're in the dream. Um, it's parts of yourself that are like getting to play act really that otherwise are uh, sort of buried to you when you're, you're awake. And so recognizing that like, I need to create characters that like operate like an invitation, you know, in Dear White People, Lionel's kind of all of us. He's, you know, he's he's sort of like the me in the show. He's a gay black kid, but he's a nerd. He doesn't really know how to be black with the black kids, but he doesn't really feel comfortable with the gay kids and he doesn't know where he belongs. He's me, but he's all of us because none of none of us really knows where we belong. But around him is someone like Sam, who is like extremely sure of herself. And she's she speaks truth to the power without any problems whatsoever. And around him are people like Coco who gets that she has to code switch and talk white sometimes and talk black sometimes and she doesn't give, she's gonna get where she needs to go. And you have someone, and that was kind of the secret is like, okay, so here's the one that's us, but then like, here are all the people we wish we could be, right. you know, right. or the people that we're afraid of being, but we just wanna see what happens when you act that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of esoteric, you know, but <laughs> yeah. like, giving people space to be in the thing that I'm telling. So it's not all about me is kind of like, it's, it's like a big, it's taken me a while to sort of get that. Um, But that's the difference between something that hooks me and something that doesn't. Right. So uh, final thing uh, that this part's going to go to the kids. Uh, 
I want you to speak to the kid that is you uh, right now and talk about, um, and it can be as long or as short as you want, but talk yeah. about, tell, tell this kid why they're going to be just fine. Why everything, the, the, the silver lining, the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever, again, hyperbole you want. Uh, what is it about their 15 years on this earth, 16 years on this earth that they're struggling with right now? They have an identity problem, or at least they think they have an identity problem. What is it? What is it you could tell those kids that uh, might have had a little bit of, or might have a little Justin Simeon in them as far as uh, their their struggles finding where mm-hmm. they belong at the moment? Wow, I would say so many things to that kid. Um, I would, you know, I would say the thing that is becoming a cliche at this point, but it's true. The things that make you different really are your your superpower, and when you're a kid it feels like partly because of school, we have to learn things in a standardized way because that's the only way you can teach a bunch of kids. You have to teach them the same thing. And you feel like there's only one or two ways to be in the world. And if you're not one of those things, it can feel like you don't belong in the world, but that's actually like, it's not true. On the other side of school, everything reverses. And 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 the people who um, you know go out there and do interesting things are the people who, know the quote unquote right way to be, um, but then give themselves the freedom to be whoever they want to be and never lose sight of your way of doing things. You know, like I I feel like as a filmmaker, I'm just now in my late thirties starting to incorporate the ways I used to think about film and storytelling when I was 15, because I threw all that out the window because it wasn't what I was learning. But that everyone knows that stuff already. The thing that no one else can learn is your thing, your personal style, your way of being in the world. And, you know, I'm a queer black man and God, I'm so grateful to be queer because it it has forced me to see the world totally different than most people. And, uh, you know, for what I do right now, like, thank God, because the whole game is to differentiate yourself now. It's, It's to stand out from other people. And, um, you know, being black has been very, very hard yeah. <laughs> as well. But, uh, but again, what a godsend because, um, you know, I have this like, black people are denied like a cultural legacy. We don't really know most of us what country we're from. And, and that is a deficit that we have to face. But on the other side of that, we have something else. We have black culture, uh, which is different than other kinds of culture in America. Right. Um, and again, it's the same, it's the stuff that like made me feel like an outsider, made me feel like I was standing outside looking in um, when I was that age that actually like made the difference for me and became the hallmark of my success. So I would say um, you've really got to, you know, all that stuff that you hear in fairy tales and songs about loving yourself, it, it's not just BS. You really have to learn how to do it because yeah. the world isn't going to do it for you. The, the sad truth is, is that if you're different in some way, and, and this isn't just for people of color, even queer people. If you're just different, you were talking about, you know, recognizing that you needed to be at this school versus your zone school. Yeah. Um, So it's possible for anybody to feel this way, but like, you know, don't let, don't let it like crowd you out, whatever it is that you're having to do to get along, to survive, to make it, don't lose sight of who you really are underneath that. And always like fight for space for that person because that person is uh, got something really unique and special to say to the rest of us. Yeah. Um, and the people who are worth having around you 
are going to lean in and listen uh, when you start to show that, that side of yourself. Minor wisdom.